Luke chapter 1 verse 35 says this. Feel free to turn to it in your Bibles in the pews or in your own Bibles. Luke, Luke 1 verse 35 says this. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I personally didn't have the talk, capital T, with my girls. Wendy did. And it's not that I was avoiding it or anything. I think I was away or doing something important or doing my hair or something like that. Anyway, Wendy was the one who had the talk, capital T, with our two oldest girls. And our youngest is still blissfully ignorant. And like any dad, I wanted to remain so until her mid-30s or so. Anyway, Wendy gave me the report after the talk with a capital T. And she told me that when she was outlining to the girls the details of the mechanics of the propagation of the human race, she said that the girls didn't like it. And the euphemism, the mechanics of the propagation of the human race, that's not her words, that's mine. Which is maybe why it's not entirely a bad thing that I wasn't part of that conversation. So when Wendy explains to me that the girl's reaction to hearing the details of the birds and the bees for the first time, in fact, she didn't say, she kind of showed me, and it went something like this. The girls put their hands over their ears as if to block out what they were hearing, and at the same time they said, among other things, stop talking, stop talking, um, I don't want to know, and gross. So in all... All in all, I think it was a pretty successful conversation. (laughs) And ever since the talk with a capital T, my two oldest girls are a little bit proud about this information that they now know. It's like they've been inducted into this inner circle of knowledge, like it's a rite of passage or something like that. And now they knowingly look at each other whenever Maya expresses her ignorance regarding all these, all these things. They've kind of assumed this role of noble protector of Maya's innocence and ears until her parents deem Maya to be ready to have the talk with a capital T. But do you know who never had to have the talk with a capital T? The, the only parents who ever lived and who only did not but could not have the talk with one of their children. Well, it's Mary and Joseph. You see, if they, if they had any conversation with their firstborn, a lad named Jesus, the capital T talk would have gone very, very differently. And where we learn this truth is in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, what had just happened is that Mary had just asked the angel, how can I be pregnant since I'm a virgin? And here in Luke chapter 1 verse 35, we read the angel's response. Here we we discover that Jesus' very birth was a miracle. The mother was, hum- was human. The father was God. And here's the reason why it had to be like this. Because we needed to be someone to be born who was human plus. Human plus. 
left on their own. The human race was without hope. The, the entire history of, 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 of civilization just showed how broken, how messed up and sinful the human race was. And yet, the mechanics of the propagation of the human race continued on and on generation after generation, more and more people getting born, getting more and more wicked. The problem wasn't going away. And so the Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit came up with a plan. Operation Rescue Earth. And Jesus got sent down to earth to go undercover and to bring hope and salvation by becoming human like us. And the safe house, his base of operations, where everything kicked off, was Mary's womb. His mother was human. His father was God. He was human and he was God. He was human plus. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And it's amazing, as we read this verse, that we see that the three members of the Trinity were involved in this. Look, look with me at this verse. It says, it, it mentions the Holy Spirit, it mentions the child, which is the Son, and it mentions the Most High, which is God the Father. So in this tiny little blink and you miss it verse, we're given a glimpse into the teamwork involved in Operation Rescue Earth. And Listen to this. The words that are used in this verse actually remind us of the original act of creation itself. It says that the power of the Most High will overshadow you, which actually sends us right back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I've heard many people read this verse, and many people say hoovering, but he wasn't hoovering. (laughs) Hoovering means vacuum cleaning, but he was hovering over the face of the waters. And, and, and this word hovering in Hebrew, in Genesis, and the word overshadowing in Greek, in Luke, are the same word. And if we were to keep reading this account in Genesis, onto the next verse, we would read this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So the Spirit is hovering And then God says, let there be light. And then we have the Holy Spirit who is overshadowing Mary. And what does John chapter 1 verse 9 say that Jesus is? It says that he is the true light which gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. And so the parallels between the how the world was made and the incarnation, how Christ was made, are uncanny. In in creation, the Spirit is hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. In the birth of Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High is hovering over Mary, and as a result, the true light was coming into the world. So what we can see in in, in just this little comparison are two amazing truths. Number one, in Jesus' birth, God is doing something unprecedented, just like he did when he created the world It's a first, only this time he's not creating matter and physical life. This time he's creating spiritual life. He's creating a new paradigm. And the second amazing truth is that not as only is God doing something unprecedented 
in the creation of, of, of Jesus Christ, this Christ child, this God-man. But he's also doing something planned. He's doing something purpose, that Jesus' birth was not a last-ditch effort to save the pesky human race. It was planned. And we find the first signpost pointing towards Operation Rescue Earth back here in the second verse of the Bible, right there at the, at the beginning of the creation narrative with the Holy Spirit hovering. So, so these truths that God is doing something unprecedented in the birth of Jesus Christ and he's doing something planned in the birth of Jesus Christ are huge because what this means is that in Operation Rescue Earth, God is beginning a recreation. When I was at school, I remember singing in our morning assemblies Cat Stevens' song, Morning Has Broken. And... You know, this was in the 80s when we used to sing, I think it was like a leftover from the hippie days or something. You know, that's who our teachers were. So uh, we were singing, morning has broken in our assemblies. And I remember singing these, these, these particular words, mine is the sunlight, mine is the morning, born of the one light, Eden saw play, praise with elation, praise every morning, God's recreation of the new day. And when I was a kid, I had no idea what Cat Stevens was singing about. We just sang this song, and it kind of made us feel nice and warm inside. But these last words in this, in this song, God's recreation of a new day, talk about recreation. And that's what we're talking about here in Project Rescue Earth, in, in Operation Rescue Earth. We're seeing a recreation event. We're seeing a second chance. When, when Adam and Eve chose rebellion, and choosing their own way, when Adam and Eve chose mistrusting God over trusting him, when they chose sin over submission, creation was forever broken. There was a rift, and we call it the fall. There was sin, there was death, and there was darkness. And much of what we read in in the Old Testament is the story of God inserting himself into the lives of his people and leading them through the darkness. And the Old Testament is a litany of mini rebellions or major rebellions, repentances, and reconciliation. Then again, rebellion, repentance, reconciliation between the people of God and God himself. And so the cycle continued on and on and on. It was never going to end. And so God knew that how things were right now would never work. No matter how many laws he created or how many times he intervened on behalf of his people, that their nature was broken, that their humanity was fallen, and asking them to sort it out was kind of like asking a brick to float across the ocean. It's impossible. And maybe you know how this feels. You've, 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 you've tried it over and over again to sort it out and to fix yourself. But no matter how many times you try, you can't sort it out. You feel like a brick trying to float on the water. It can't happen. And God himself knew that it was impossible, that human nature was locked on, a, on, 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 this, on this mission of, of, of suicide. Which is why in Genesis 1 verse 2, right at, the beginning, right at the beginning, God gives us this sneak peek into what he's going to one day do. He's going to recreate. He's going to introduce a new nature into humanity, his own nature, God's nature. Enter Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the God-man, two natures in one being, God and man whose mother is Mary and whose father is God. This is the creation event on par with or probably even exceeding 
the first creation event, which is why that this moment in Bethlehem was so huge, was so massive, was so important. And so in some ways, we, we shouldn't be whispering silent night. We should be shouting silent night. We should be shouting words like this that say, shepherds quake at the sight, glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing alleluia, Christ the Savior is born. Or what about verse 3? Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. The dawn of redeeming grace. This is huge. So what happened in that little town was the revealing of a being that had never existed before on earth or in heaven, the God-man. Now, let's, let's go back to that moment when I said that Jesus' parents, his, his mother and his, uh, his human father figure, never had the talk with a capital T with him. Or, or at least they, they never had the talk with a capital T like we would have done. And this is because he was born of a virgin. And if we go back perhaps 700 years to the time of Isaiah, who, who I also quoted last week, We read this. It's a prophecy. 700 years earlier. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so I guess the question is, why is it important that Jesus was born of a virgin? Why is this such a fundamental truth in the Christian faith that it shows up in the Apostles' Creed as one of the non-negotiables of the Christian faith? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and on, we find out the reason why. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So what we see here in, um, in verse 18 is that, Jesus is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And then, in verse 21, we are told that he will save his people from their sins. So, we are told that he will be conceived of the Holy Spirit, a virgin birth, and then we're told that he will save his people from their sins. So, there's a connection here between Jesus' virgin birth and Jesus' mandate to save humankind. But what is the connection? Why does Jesus' status as Savior require that he was born of a virgin? Is this just one of the quirky facts, you know, of the Christmas story that we say, but we don't really understand, it's really not a big deal, and we're a little bit embarrassed because it doesn't really make sense, and we would rather our faith make sense. Now, listen to why it's important, and I'm going to quote the words from this guy called Elmer Towns, and he said this, 
If Jesus had a human father, he would have inherited a sin nature. In that case, he would have been unable to save himself, let alone be the sinless substitute for the sins of the world. With human parents, it would have been impossible for him to be the son of God. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he would be unable to save himself because he would not be a sinless savior. And Alma Towns goes on to say, if we cannot accept the virgin birth of Christ, very little credibility remains in the Bible. Therefore, we must understand the virgin birth if we're going to understand our faith. And so he's saying that it's extremely necessary that, that, that we hold on to this as a truth. Because if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then he would have had that sin nature. If he, if he wasn't conceived by the Holy Spirit, he would have had that sin nature. And we, we needed human plus. We needed, we needed the God-man. And so what this means is that the virgin birth is not just a nice quaint story that we tell. It's a fundamental truth that's interwoven with Jesus' identity as our saviour. No virgin birth for Jesus. No spiritual birth for us. It's as simple as that. And maybe to learn the reason why... Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, which says this. this. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the spiritual body, is, is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. So Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as, we are, just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. So there's logic here. And what it's saying is that We are born with earthly bodies. Sing after me. Oh, you'll never get to heaven in an earthly bod. Because an earthly bod can't get to God. Oh, you'll never get to heaven with an earthly bod because an earthly bod can't get to God, etc., etc. So the only way that we we can get to God, that we can inherit the, uh, the kingdom of God, as we read here, is to become a heavenly man, is to have this new nature that resides in Jesus Christ. And the only way that we can get this new nature that resides in Jesus Christ is to be united with him, because then what is his becomes ours. And this, and this, and, and this concept of being united with this God-man, with this Christ child, with Jesus Christ, is a massive theme in the Bible. In fact, there's this guy called Marcus Johnson who listed why being united with Christ is such an important thing. So listen to this. He says this, literally hundreds of references exist in the Bible that refer to the believer's union with Christ. And so he cites a few examples. He says believers are created in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Believers are crucified with him. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. They are buried with him. Um, Colossians chapter 2 verse 12, they are baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 6 verse 3, they are united with him in his resurrection. Romans chapter 6 verse 5, they are seated with him in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, Christ is formed in 
in, inside believers, Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, and he dwells in their hearts, Ephesians 3, 17. The church is the body of Christ, and then there's references. I'm going to leave the references for the rest, just so we get this flow. He says, the church is the body of Christ. Christ is in us, and we are in him. The church is one flesh with Christ. He says, says that believers gain Christ, and they're found in him. Furthermore, in Christ, we are justified, we are glorified, we are sanctified, we're called, we're made alive, we're created anew, we're adopted, we are elected. Suffice it to say, and this is his words, union with Christ is an absolutely fundamental gospel conviction of the apostles, and it's really dear in their lives, because it was really dear in the life of the Lord himself. So we need to understand this. So what 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50 is saying is it's saying that our dying, dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. And of course, this makes sense. An earthly bod can't get to God. But as we're united with Christ, we get access to all of the benefits which I just listed And John 17 verse 3 explains this union with Christ like this. This is eternal life, John says, that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So as human beings, we were created, we were made with a purpose, and that is to be united with Jesus Christ. And that that uniting, that union with Christ is only made possible because of the incarnation, because of Operation Rescue Earth. So because of the, of the doctrine that Jesus was born of a virgin, which means that God was his father, not a human, we have, this, we have the possibility of being grafted onto his nature. We can, be, we, we can be adopted into his family. No virgin birth for Jesus, no new birth for us. What is his becomes our own. This is union with Christ. This is knowing Christ. And this is eternal life. And this season, there's been a lot of white noise. And we've been training ourselves to hear beyond it. First by cultivating a sense of longing in our hearts. Longing for the kingdom of God that it may come. Secondly, by overcoming that white noise in our lives with the louder and more joyful sound of the gospel. Thirdly, by remembering that the nativity and the manger scene only forms one chapter of the story. It's just the first chapter. We need to read on to find out, to find the message and the gift and the crown of Jesus' death and resurrection. And here today, we've learned another way to pierce through that white noise by paying attention to the little details through the realization that the, the glory and the meaning of the Christmas story is not found in hurriedly rushing through this account, which we know so well, but it's through getting down and dirty with the details such as the fact that, that, Jesus, that, that Mary was a virgin when Jesus was miraculously conceived in her womb. Because we realize that it's the doctrine of the virgin birth that makes possible the doctrine of the atonement. Jesus taking our sins upon himself and paying the price. It's, it's the doctrine of the virgin birth that allows this recreation to happen for this second Adam to come into the world. It's the virgin birth that allows our second birth. No virgin birth, no new birth for us. Which is why, in the Apostles' Creed, among all these great statements of faith and theology, such as 
I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, we read this phrase, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, because it's on this phrase that the next phrase is built. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. So no virgin birth, no crucifixion, no virgin birth, no resurrection, no virgin birth, no justification, no virgin birth, no regeneration, no virgin birth for Jesus, no new birth, no second birth for us. This is the hope that we have over this Christmas time, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that as part of a recreation event that broke humanity out of this vicious cycle of inherited sin, which, which means that we get a second go at, at, at life. So far from being an insignificant little fact in the Christmas story, it's the hinge point of Operation Rescue Earth. But Operation Rescue Earth can become Operation Rescue You if you repent and ask God for this new nature today. So because of the miracle of God planting life in Mary's womb, you can know the miracle of God planting life in the old soil of your life. If you believe in the miracle of the incarnation, of this recreation, you are entering into a worldview where nothing is impossible. Open wider the doors. Jesus turning water into wine? Sure. Jesus calming the storm? Why not? The the feeding of the 5,000? Bring it on. Peter's shadow healing people as he walks past? Absolutely. You and I, rotten sinners, having a restored relationship with God? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. And so my plea for you is to step through that door and to place your trust in the one who was born of a virgin for you, who suffered under Pontius Pilate for you, who was crucified dead and buried for you, who descended into hell for you and who on the third day rose again for you. So if you want to make that step, if you want to open your eyes in the morning, like a baby with a clean conscience, cleansed of your sins, with a clean mind, then please respond. You can do that by kneeling, by standing, by maybe having a chat with me afterwards. And in this last song, as we, as we sing these, these words, you can also respond. This is what happened so that you could know life. And more, more importantly than finding presence under the tree, you can find that wonderful gift in your own heart that, that starts everything new.